Phil, that was uh, Anna Eusen, uh Dr. Anna Eusen. And uh, one thing, I, I mean, uh, her Stanford, Yale, I mean, this woman is very, very significantly uh, credentialed. And yes. uh, not the first person to incorporate uh, spiritual practice into her psychiatric practice, but certainly somebody that um, is popularizing it even more. Uh, her yeah. book, uh, I think, will have that effect. And, you know, um, I'm in New York now, and you're in Los Angeles, and I know, I mean, if somebody wants to get psychiatric help, any type of counseling from a healthcare professional, uh, and they want uh, meditation or something along those lines, it's a heck of a lot easier now than it was in uh, <laughs> 1975. Because if you said the word meditation back then, people would uh, assume you needed psychiatric help. Would you agree? Well, I agree. And I would add that in 1975, it was a whole lot easier than in 1965 or 1968 when these things first. 1955, you would have gone McCarthy era. They would have gone after you. Yeah. No, but it's funny you should say 1975 because... um, by then, be, there there were a lot. There was a lot of research already done, at least on uh, right. TN, on transcendental meditation, um, and there was a cover story in Time magazine in 1975 about uh, TM and it's uh, you know how it's being used by psychiatrists and people were getting off of uh, Valium and tranquilizers right. and all that. But it's taken so a while. And start. Uh, I also remember. Uh, Dr. Charles Gluck at the Hartford Institute of Living in Connecticut, very highly regarded psychiatrist, was one of the first to uh, use TM uh, with great success with uh, psychiatric patients. And I think now yoga, meditation, all of these things are very much a part of uh, many, many uh, folks' uh, psychiatric uh, uh, practice. And uh, Dr. Uh, Ustin is really um, Yusim ra- rather is really uh, uh, leading the one of the people leading the charge at this point. Especially yeah. somebody as you know, she's she's definitely not considered somebody on the periphery of psychiatry because of you know she's so uh, uh, comes from some such a traditional background. Even worked with a uh, uh, neurophysiologist and uh, uh, has approached it from every angle. What's also interesting with her is. She's not produ- promoting one type of spiritual practice, but really That's she right. works with the... Pra- and I would imagine somebody says, well, I'm Jewish and I've always been interested in the Kabbalah uh, and Kabbalistic tradition. Let me look at that. If somebody, you know, I like something that's totally uh, you know, secular. I don't want anything with any uh, Hindu uh, trace to it or another person. Hey, uh, I'm open to anything. So I think that that's helpful in that uh, I think, uh, especially when you get into spiritual practices, People can be sensitive about uh, what practices they participate in. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just um, uh, meditative practices, but Mm -hmm. it's uh, um, psychiatrists and psychotherapists have been um, open to the fact that people's religious life, their spiritual uh, approach to their their lives, all that is, is relevant 
to how they adapt to the world and how happy they are and how fulfilled they are. And, and you know, for many, many years, uh, that was considered irrelevant in, in the uh, right. psychological community because, you know, it was very Freudian or very behaviorist. But after the 60s, things changed. So a lot of people, there's been a lot of good research on right. the role of um, uh, just even conventional religion right and uh, ordinary sort of mainstream spirituality on people's uh, health and people's well-being and how to help people construct uh, a more meaningful and um, happy spiritual life as opposed to, you know, in fact, we mentioned this to Dr. Usum that um, the, when you have an unhealthy spiritual life, uh, it could be detrimental to your health and your well-being. So, right. I I I was in uh, graduate school in 1971. I think it was in uh, clinical psychology, and it was a uh, program was Freudian based, but you know uh, touched upon a number of different areas. And boy, and I had started TM the year before, and I when I attempted to bring in any of these concepts. Uh, there wasn't a lot of receptivity for it. Carl Jung, you know, who came right after Freud and, and was very much influenced by him, he got into some uh, spiritual aspects. Oh, yeah. Of the, you know, he opened it up. But in terms of actual practice, if I had said I want, I want to, I actually left graduate school to go become a teacher of TM because I felt I could help people more that way. And it was not something that was uh, fully embraced by... Uh, <laughs> uh, the people I was studying, not just with the people I was studying with, they to just put it mildly, the field, they, there was no, there was no integrating the two. And really, I think today, <clears throat> maybe not in every program and every school and all, but I think for the most part, uh, uh, it would be, re it would be well received and and encouraged in 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 most any program. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've, I've spoken, especially when I was researching American Veda, I spoke to a lot of mental health professionals, uh, both MDs, psychiatrists, and, you know, clinical psychologists and psychotherapists. And um, they all have this sense that, you know, spirituality is an integral part of people's lives. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not the, you know, the sort of future of an illusion of uh, the Freudian model of the past. So, you know, we know a lot more from just a, a pure a research perspective mm -hmm. now, on Phil, uh, how to help people do that. Phil, uh, you're writing uh, a biography on uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. Uh, does he talk about uh, mental health or um, psychiatry as it existed during uh, his period in the United States anyway? Yeah. That's a good question. He certainly was um, like the gurus who came 30 you know, years after he did, or 40, um, was aware of the need to speak to Americans in, in their own language and in their own uh, idiom and, and address their own um, needs. So he, he, he used the language that we think of as psychology, but not, not in a, a formal sense or like using uh, jargon or anything. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, he talked about, you know, being happy, talked about um, 
ridding yourself of bad habits. He talked about the power of the mind. He talked about the subconscious. So he, I, I think he was influenced by um, the breakthroughs in uh, our understanding of the mind in the West. Um, and he, he kind of used that language to some degree, but every, pretty much everything I saw him uh, address it wasn't, uh, you know, there's parallels in the East, and that, that's a fascinating thing. If you look at the yogic texts, um, where, where they talk about things like how important the mind is, how important um, it is to uh, sort of do what we think of as positive thinking, but there's yogic terms for that, and replacing uh, damaging thoughts and emotions with positive ones. There are parallels in the yogic literature to certain methods that psychotherapists would, would mm -hmm. use. I, I find that very interesting. Right. So it, it, the language might have been psychologized for Yogananda as it was mm -hmm. for many of the gurus who came later. But the, conceptually, it was very consistent. With, right. you know, I, I mean, this is a subject matter we should, more, uh, we should delve into more deeply in future interviews yeah. and also... Another area to get into, not now, but in the future, is just a, you know, a big part of uh, Western mental health care is from the pharmacies, from uh, pharmaceuticals, yeah. and obviously that's being tremendously overused and abused. But uh, as Dr. Yusum said, I mean, there's a place for it. So uh, for, yep. for future interviews, uh, okay. till, till, till yes, next sir. time. Okie dokie. Dennis from New York and Phil from Los Angeles, today anyway. We could be anywhere. Okay. All right, next time. <laughs> Have Bye. fun.